0: and enjoy the show. The darkness has found you. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 4. I'm your host, Jason Hill. And oh my god, my fucking head! The pain! Ugh, this happens every time Dale and Earl come a trucking town. I am getting too old for this shit. God, I hath taken thy name in vain... I hath lusted after many women, both virtuous and iniquitous, though generally voluptuous. I am sorry, Lord, but I just like them a little well-rounded, a little something to cuddle with. You know what I'm saying? It is how thou hast made me. I have dabbled in drink and dice and desecrated the sanctity of my own mind with hallucinogenic mushrooms many, many, many times. I have corrupted my spirit with ancient tomes and forbidden scrolls cavorted with eldritch horrors and loathsome, creeping denizens of the outer darkness. But I beg of thee, O Lord of hosts, I will relinquish my wicked and sinful ways, the pleasures of the flesh, my debauched and degenerate lifestyle, and dedicate myself to good works and devotion to human decency and shorter intros and less shitty accents if you just make this hangover go away. Dang. Mm, I feel a lot better. Wow. Um satan i'm sorry bro i promise it's not you it's me i look you got demons man and i just think i need to work on me for a while you know oh come on don't be like that you know i'll think of you every time i do mush oh shit hmm well I guess I need to give this up too. These stories ain't exactly wholesome. Well... I guess this is it. Goodbye, friends. Safe travels. SIIIKAGGGGHHHAHHAHHAHHAHHAHHAHHAHHAHHAHHAHHA! <laughs> Ow! Jesus! Sorry, Lord. Um, so, if uh, you want to be a patron for, you know, more stories, no ads, uh, five bucks a month, you know, it's not much. It goes to a good cause. Man upstairs might like it. Just saying. Yeah, I recently met the guy, and, uh, he's all right. So, just, you know, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. There you have it. Now... Allow me to escort you to a... You know what? We're doing another funny one this week, so we'll just get right to it. The darkness has found you. one more thing. This is part two of a two-parter, so you want part one, just, you know, go back to last week. And now, without further ado, from author Kevin David Anderson, I give you part two and the thrilling conclusion to The Applicant. do you see it daddy Cassie said do you see it I do Miss Williams said suddenly unsteady on her feet she sunk into her chair I do Dale glanced over at his friend who had one hand gently cupping little Earl he staggered to the table what the hell is that I tried to tell you but it wouldn't let me talk Cassie said. It was always in my head. She broke away from Williams and ran to the table, grabbed a handful of crayons. I hate you! She screamed as she threw the colorful projectile at the creature that had made her life a living hell for two years. But with unbalanced anger guiding her aim, most of the crayons hit Dale. Dale shook his head. He had just made this girl's future a million times brighter than it was before. And so far, for his good deeds, he had been punched, bitten, called names, and now pelted with crayons. Although none of it hurt too bad, the irony and the sentiment that he had become very acquainted with over the years was not lost on him. No good deed goes unpunished. Part 3 Demon Hickeys and Teddy Bears Twenty minutes after Cassie had pelted Dale with a handful of crayons, the room was considerably calmer. Dale had removed the parasite from his arm and impaled it with his knife on the conference room table. As he did so, he admired the construction and sturdiness of the table. It was important to note, because although the demon parasite was clearly the first thing needing to be impaled on its surface, Dale had no reason to think it would be the last. With a bag of ice in his lap, Earl sat a few feet from the creature, watching it squirm. It dangled above the table's surface, looking like an enormous, mounted alien insect specimen. The pride of an entomologist. Dale had fetched the first aid kit from his rig and was on one knee, patching up Cassie's back. The wounds, nor Dale's patch job, looked too good. But they'd heal. And, most importantly, Cassie would develop. And grow normally in time she may even forget the thing that was living off her eating her and making her and miss william's life a living nightmare what in god's creation is this thing earl said dale glanced at cassie unsure if he should answer that question in front of the youngster she turned to him traces of anger in her face clearly expecting him to answer Seven-year-old or not, she had a look on her face that said she expected nothing short of the truth. The whole truth. And no goddamn sugarcoating. Do you know what this thing is? Williams asked. Dale handed the last few bandages to Miss Williams and stood. He walked around the table toward the thing. Mone's exactly sure where they come from. There are several versions of the story, but the one that most heed as gospel is that they come out of a certain appendage of a very nasty demon, It was known as the Maker. Was known, Earl said. The Maker was put down long ago, or so the story goes. Dale rubbed his chin. And maybe he is. Maybe he wasn't. But, in any case, these things are still around. "'Wait,' Williams leaned forward. "'Demons?' Dale pulled up a chair and sat. He realized he needed to sugarcoat it a little. Stick to what Williams already knew, and any reasonable person might believe. An explanation that fit the facts of what had been happening to her little one was more in order. Besides, a little sugar never killed anybody, with the possible exception of diabetics. "'Forget demons.' Dale started again. This here is an interdimensional parasite. They usually nest in places where human children are because they're young or attracted to the screams of kids. Especially the screams of pain and fear. William sat up. Like when children are getting their shots. They scream like banshees. Is that why you asked about the pediatrician's office? Dale nodded. And despite all these eyes, Dale pointed to its hideous head. I don't see too good, and depend on the cries of children to find a host to latch onto. I'm guessing there's an area of dimensional bilocation with a nest somewhere in the pediatrician's office. Dimensional bilocation? William said. Oh, I know this one. Earl raised his hand like a grade schooler needing to go to the bathroom. Don't keep us in suspense, Dale said. Earl lowered his hand. It's a point where two different places can exist in the same spot. Places can even be in different dimensions. Kind of like the uh, Devil's Crossroads. One road is our world, and the other is the Devil's Highway. He looked over at Dale. that to do. It wasn't the best analogy, but under the circumstances, Dale decided to give it to him. He nodded. Top of the class, good buddy. That... that's real? That's a real thing? Williams looked horrified and put her arms around her daughter. How could I not know? How could I not see? They aren't this big when they first latch on. They're no bigger than a buffalo nickel, really. Anyone can miss them, Nail said. But when he looked into William's eyes, he could tell that's not what she meant. She meant, how could I not know? How could I not see what was really going on with my child? What kind of parent am I? Don't spend time blaming yourself, Dale said. They've had a lot of practice developing their unique kind of camouflage. They've been sucking the life from children right under the noses of devoted parents. Good parents for a millennium William's gaze was distant there are so many children going in and out of that pediatrician's office every day yeah Dale said that needs to be dealt with but first we should dispose of our uninvited guest Earl you okay going for a walk although the color had returned to his face Earl didn't look excited about getting up well maybe um Run? No. No running, I promise, Dale said. Miss Williams, will you and Cassie please wait here? She didn't respond, and Dale got the sense she wanted to be away from this place. Large rednecks and squirming, life-sucking demon parasites. Any reasonable person would. I, I know you probably want to skedaddle, and I wouldn't blame you, Dale said. But... I would really like to talk to you a bit more, if that's all right with you. She nodded, but Dale wasn't sure if Williams heard him completely. Her look was distant, clearly thinking over the past few years of their lives, trying and struggling to incorporate the new and very unsettling information. Dale stood and reached for his knife. Earl, can you get a gallon of diesel and meet me in the alley round back by the dumpster? Earl smiled. Sounds like having a cookout. What's on the menu? Dale freed the knife from the table, the impaled creature squirming, grotesque gills silently shrieking. Dale smiled. naming kebab.
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs,
0: Fifteen minutes later, as Dale stood in the back alley, he started wondering if Earl had gotten lost. He had thought to go looking for him, but the mesmerizing sight parked ten feet in front of him kept him rooted to the spot. Finally, with a can of diesel in one hand, Earl joined Dale. Um, what are we looking at? Dale glanced over at Earl. Tell me what you see. Earl took a step forward and scrunched his face, and Dale could see his thinking lines running across his forehead. Looks like an early 2000 VW station wagon. Not really keen on the color. Is that supposed to be green? Keep looking, Dale said. Why the hell would anyone park back here anyhow? Earl said. Then it seemed he saw the first thing Dale wanted him to notice. Oh, I am. It was clear to anyone taking a second look at the unwashed, scratched-up VW with a dented fender that it wasn't just a vehicle, but it was someone's home. Personal belongings filled the back compartment, and there were makeshift curtains along the back seat windows. And it didn't take a first-class detective to identify the owner. A small stack of coloring books and a torn box of crayons left on the roof did that just fine. That is some tight living quarters, Earl said. With his free hand, Dale dug in his pocket. And that ain't the worst part. But it ain't, Earl said as Dale pulled out his keys and held them out. Take another look through this. Earl took the keys and separated the strange handled monocle. What's this thing? It's called a god's eye. Yep, that don't explain much, Dale sighed. It's a piece of stained glass from a window 900-year-old church run by a very aggravating, not to mention easily offended, bunch of uptight monks. I'm guessing you can't get these on Amazon. How'd you come by it? I may have been thrown through the aforementioned stained glass window. Earl raised an eyebrow. Dale shrugged. I wasn't kidding when I said the monks are easily offended. They have no sense of humor. Sound like a story I'd like to hear. Later, Dale said. I'll take a gander at the VW. Earl brought the god's eye up and peered through the crimson glass. Well, butter my butt and me biscuit. You got that right, Dale said. I counted at least three of them demon jizz bubbles in there. So, they all been feeding on little Cassie? Earl said. A whole demon lot of them? Dale nodded, probably exchanged rotters when she slept. Earl's face turned a very distinct color of pissed off. They've been passing her around like a... like a... Them sons of bitches! I can't wait to light their asses up! Well, old man, that is the rub. Earl lowered the god's eye. What do you mean? If you're gonna help me clean out Miss Williams' car, you're gonna need both hands. I'm not following. You ain't gonna be much help holding that itty-bitty piece of glass to your eyeball to see him. I don't think I like where this is going, Earl said. You need to see him as clearly as I can, Dale said. And the best way to do that is... He turned his buck knife upside down so Earl could see the teeth of the creature impaled on it. They snapped open and closed, eager to latch on to something... Or someone. Oh, hell no. Don't be a big baby, Dale said. I don't need no demon hickey. Oh, Earl, just man up, Dale said. Remember a few years ago when we got shit-faced in that dive in Amarillo? You said that one day we should get matching marks to show everybody that we were best buds. That was back when I liked you. You don't like me? I sure as hell don't like you right now, holding that demon cock crustacean with tentacles snapping teeth out at me!" Dale tightened his grip on the creature and pulled the knife out, the blade sliding along its gristly outer shell. "'Oh, come on, it don't hurt that much!' Earl sighed. "'I'm pretty sure back in Amarillo I was referring to matching tattoos and our friendship bracelets!' Dale chuckled. "'Friendship bracelets? I'm genuinely touched. Dale moved the teeth closer. Now come here and get your demon hickey like a man. Earl stuck his arm out, averted his eyes, and said, Fine. On three, Dale said. Earl nodded. Ready? One, two. Dale slapped the parasite over Earl's arm. Earl let loose a vile tirade of obscenities, all of which bounced around the narrow alley like a bucket of racquetballs, then ascended into the sky, where it seemed even the clouds took offense. In less than a minute, Earl could see what they were facing, and it clearly made him angry. Beady sons of bitches. This looks like a job for Bitsy, Earl said, referring to his monstrous bowie knife. In anyone else's hand, it looked oversized, a short sword with a silver hilt. But in Earl's hand, it looked like all business. Dale extracted the parasite from Earl's arm. Why don't you go on and get the old girl? Well, ask Miss Williams if we can borrow her car keys. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go get the dumpster ready for the cookout. Earl handed Dale the can of diesel. Back in five. Dale strolled to the dumpster, The same dumpster they'd been dumping dead critters in for the past few days. He put the gas down and pushed open the lids. The smell of rot could peel paint, and Dale held his breath. Before tossing it in with the rodent carcasses, Dale snapped off its underside digits, tossed them in, then grabbed hold of its remaining butt tentacle. It came loose with a slick and greasy pop. By removing its appendages, the thing became immobile and couldn't crawl out before they lit it up. The easiest thing to have done would have been to reach just above its highest set of eyes, seized its alien neck, and snap it, putting it out of its misery. A quick death as the courtesy Earl and Dale had extended to all the varmints already in the dumpster. No raccoon, possum, or even a rat needed to suffer needlessly. Dale had no inclination to extend that same courtesy to these things. They feed on children, Caused chaos in all kinds of families and ruined lives. No, sir, Dale said, tossing the tentacle into the dumpster. No quick death for you. It was going to burn. And, silent or not, it was going to scream. It landed with a thud on top of a bloated possum. Dale peered in and watched as it instantly sank its pincers into the rotting corpse. You are a vile bitch. He emptied the diesel into the dumpster, then headed back to the VW station wagon. Earl beat him there, Betsy in one hand, car keys in the other. A few throwing knives tucked into his vest. But the most lethal-looking thing he had was the expression on his face. It was pure anger, from cheekbone to cheekbone. And Dale hadn't seen Earl look like that since he tossed a child-murdering politician out a two-story window in broad daylight. It had been a moment when Earl had become unhinged, lost complete control of himself, and done something he'd immediately regretted. No harm came of it. Well, the flightless politician was certainly harmed, but Dale, given the choice in these moments, would much rather have Earl relatively hinged. You okay, good buddy? Dale said, joining his friend. I'm fine. I'm just getting impatient. So far, you've had all the fun, Earl said. It's my turn to get some payback for Cassie. Earl took a step to the car. Now hold on, partner. Let me give you the hunting specs on these things, Dale said, putting a hand on Earl's shoulder. They aren't fast, but they can move. Their ass tentacles are pretty strong, and you know where the teeth are so avoid those. Just point me at the weak points. Under the shell on their backs is the lungs. They're pretty exposed and you can reach underneath and just suffocate them. It's like squeezing a balloon. Anything else. The head is the weakest spot. Any damage with blade or bare hand and it'll go as limp as a geezer without Viagra. I walked over to the car and manually unlocked it. I see at least Three. Two in the back seat and one in the rear compartment. How do you want to handle this? Well, why don't I go in on the front passenger side and shoo them toward you at the back of the bus? Earl stepped to the rear of the wagon. All right, we'll start this party. He pulled out another blade from his vest to keep Betsy company. Dale unfolded his buck knife and moved to the front passenger door. Hey, um... Let's go easy on Miss Williams' belongings and upholstery. Oh, hell, I can fix anything, Earl said. Said the man who had duct tape holding his belt together when I met him. Dale waited for Earl's snappy retort, but it did not come. Earl was definitely in a mood. Creatures, living or dead, that hurt kids always put Earl in a particular way. A mean killing way. Dale pulled the door open fast, hopped inside, and without hesitation slashed the knife across the closest-ass tentacle in the back seat. The parasite, about the size of a serving plate, reared up like a grizzly ready to charge, its gills flapping wildly, sounding its silent scream. Not remotely impressed, Dale hacked off its front two digits at about the third knuckle. It spun around jumped up onto the top of the back seat and dove toward the rear compartment. Dale tried to stab its head, but it had skedaddled, disappearing amongst Miss William's belongings. Dale started to go after it and had crawled halfway into the back seat when he remembered Earl had said there were two of them in the back seat. Where the hell are you? Before Dale located it, Earl pulled open the rear door. Earl's big face and hulking mass moved into the back compartment, and the entire vehicle dipped to the rear, the VW shocks definitely being tested. Earl prodded Miss Williams' belongings with Betsy, and he must have poked something because a demon parasite sprung up like Old Faithful from behind a box of toys. It tried to come down on Earl's face, but the big man was fast. His hand thrust forward, and the throwing knife blade and Earl's fist Went into its open mouth. The blade came out the back, piercing at least one lung in the outer shell. The thing closed its mouth, teeth sinking around Earl's wrist. Son, of a bitch! Earl shouted, then slapped his fist, parasite and all, into the rear side window. The window cracked with a crunch, and the creature's butt tentacles went for Earl's throat. Before they found their target, Earl ran Betsy across its scrawny, insect-like neck. Whether decapitation was Earl's intention or not, it was certainly the result. Its eight ugly, now lifeless eyes rolled back in their grotesque sockets and tumbled away with the rest of its head. "'Hey!' Dale shouted. "'What did I say about destroying the car? Miss Williams don't have a lot of means for repairs!' Earl looked at the damaged window. I can fix it. No problem. Oh, fine, Dale said. Just go easy. Now I'll just chase one back there. It should be, he gestured with his buck knife. Somewhere over there. Earl cut the dead parasite away from his hand and, before it was completely off, a grin the size of a boomerang appeared on his face. Got you, you son of a bitch. Dale saw Betsy dart through the air like an archer's arrow. There was a flash of movement the parasite Dale had wounded bounded up the interior indentation of the wheel well. Betsy came down hard, but the thing used its ass tentacles to sling itself out of the way. The oversized bowie knife pierced the VW's metal interior and slashed the carpet. I said easy, man, Dale shouted. I can fix that. Earl extracted his blade and turned to face the parasite perched on a stack of stuffed animals. It reared up, gills flapping, multi knuckled digits buckling, hideous head with glaring eyes narrowed and ready for battle. Earl swung Betsy like a samurai sword and scored a quick decapitation. Unfortunately, the demon jizz crustacean moved out of the way and Earl decapitated a teddy bear. Its stuffed head, with Winnie the Pooh eyes, rolled away in a trail of fluff. Damn it, Earl! I can fix that! Clearly coming to the conclusion that he was doing more damage to Miss Williams and Cassie's belongings than to the demons, Earl set Betsy down. Okay, you demon stain. Let's go. Me and you. Mono uh, a demono. Did you just say mono uh, a demono? Earl held up his hands, taunting the creature. Don't bother me, Dale. I'm working. The creature shifted left and Earl moved with it. Where are you going? Earl said. You only like playing with defenseless little kids. Is that it? The creature moved to the right and Earl followed. What's the matter? Don't want to tussle with someone who can fight back, you ugly son of a bitch? The gills on the parasite flapped so fast they were a blur, and for a split second, Nail thought he heard a high-pitched scream. It was distant, like a flea fart in a hurricane, but he could definitely hear it. For a few beats, Earl and the creature just stared at one another, like gunfighters waiting for the moment that would end one of their lives. Nail didn't see what triggered it, but at the same instant, Earl and the parasite lunged at one another. The parasite led with its front alien-like digits splayed out like hands. Earl's fat fingers reached out and intertwined with the creature's alien fingers, clutching one another in some weird version of the game Mercy. Dale was willing to bet the farm that no one on Earth could beat Earl in a game of Mercy, not demon parasites or the devil himself. And by the sound of the thing's bones snapping, it was a pretty safe bet. The parasite pulled away, leaving several of its broken digits in Earl's grasp. It tried to bound up the wall, but Earl's enormous hands clamped around its head. In a fast motion, Earl compressed his hands together, squeezing tight. Its eight eyes exploded all at once, like warm chicken eggs under a steamroller. Yellow and green slime oozed out between Earl's fingers, and he grinned like a nine-year-old, playing with silly putty. You enjoy yourself? Dale said. Earl nodded. A little bit, yeah. You're making a mess. Oh hell, I can fix that. Well, before you do, Dale said, help me find the other one. Earl started moving items in the back. A suitcase, bag of laundry. Anything? Dale said, crawling into the back seat with all the grace of a water buffalo at the ballet. One of his boots got hung up on the front seat console, and he got stuck in mid-crawl. One knee in the back seat, the other in the front. Earl shook his head. No, I don't see. Oh shit, don't move. Dale looked up at Earl and saw the big man's gaze cast upward. Dale craned his head and looked up. Just over the small of his back, which was bare as the day he was born, because in his current position his t-shirt couldn't stretch that far, the parasite was pressed up against the roof flat as a pancake its color changed to that of the interior of the car a chameleon with tentacles Earl moved closer the station wagon dipping more toward the rear you know they could go all camo like that Dale shook his head then yanked on his stuck boot he really wanted to move in his current position if the thing had a mind to do it It could drop straight down on his thump. One of Earl's throwing knives thumped into the ceiling, severing two digits, making it another hole in the car Earl would have to fix. The alien digits bounced off of Dale's back, and he looked up at it, hoping it was getting ready to make a run for it. Dale was not an expert on demon parasite facial expressions, but in his estimation, it looked right pissed off. It wasn't going to run, And it wasn't going to attack and the nearest target was oh shit dale shouted as the parasite landed on his back ass tentacles wrapping around his waist its pincers and teeth biting into denim and butt cheeks earl get it off hold still buddy dale snapped his gaze up and saw his friend's hand rear back ready to pitch forward no wait Dale shouted as Earl's hand pitched forward in a blur of motion. There was already a fair amount of pain emanating from Dale's backside, but now there was a piercing, sharp sting. On the upside, the parasite stopped moving. Earl raised his hands in victory. He shoots! He scores! Dale glowered at Earl. Earl, did you just put a knife in my ass? Earl made a sour expression. Yeah. A little bit. I'm sorry, Dale. Earl leaned closer and seemed to take a hard look at where his knife was. Then his face looked pained. Um uh, I don't think I can fix that. Dale's expression turned eight different shades of angry. Was a hell of a shot, though. Wish you'd seen it. Um took it clean off. Earl looked satisfied with himself. Probably saved your life. I am so lucky you were here. Dale's tone indicated a distinct lack of sincere thankfulness. Earl smiled. You are quite welcome, good buddy. Part 4. An Ass Dimple and an Offer can you please hurry it up? Dale said, leaning up against the outside of the station wagon, his rear end thrust outward. What's the rush? Earl said, preparing to retrieve his blade. Dale looked up and down the alley. I don't want anyone seeing us like this. That's how rumors get started. I'll quit your belly aching, princess. I'll be gentle. Earl said. All three. Ready. Dale nodded. A one. A two. Earl yanked out the knife from his friend's right butt cheek. Not at all gently. Oh, god damn it! Oh. Oh. Dale grimaced. How's it look? Not bad, Earl said. For a while it took the worst of it. Didn't feel that way, Dale said. I think you hit the bone. That might leave a cute little dimple as all, Earl said. If you ever get yourself a steady woman, she'll think it's adorable. Dale stood up straight. If you're done staring at my ass and speculating about my love life, can we get on to the business of putting these three sons of bitches to the flame? You take them to the dumpster, Earl said, when I will meet you there. What are you going to do? Start fixing Miss Williams' car already? You and Betsy done did a bang-up job. Earl stepped to the rear of the wagon. No, I think there's still one back here. I saw something moving around. Hiding. Dale reached inside and picked up the parasite that bit him in the ass. You can handle it. You don't need me. Aw, you and your butt will just get in the way again. Dale picked up the other two and slung them over his shoulder. You had no argument from me or my ass on that. I will see you at the cookout. I'll be right behind you, Burrow said as Dale turned to leave. He strolled down the alley, trying not to limp, but it was difficult. He hoped to God he wouldn't need stitches. It was his least favorite area to have a stranger go to work with thread and needle. Each step got a little easier as the pain started to dull and by the time he reached the dumpster, the discomfort was just an annoying throbbing. Tossing the demon carcasses into the dumpster, he thought, just for a second, he felt one of them move. One of them still alive? An ass tentacle had stiffened in his grasp as he slung the body inside. He peered in to see if anything was squirming, but nothing immediately caught his eye. Before he could take a harder look... He heard Earl shouting behind him. Light the damn fire! Dale looked back and saw his partner running his way, arms over his head holding the biggest goddamn demon parasite he had ever seen. Tentacles flapping like unattended fire hoses on full blast. Oh, shit! A few minutes after Earl had done his extremely unattractive slow-motion Baywatch run down the alley, Dale still lay on the cement in the alley, staring up at a late afternoon sky, slowly bleeding into twilight. It was a nice view of the heavens, when Dale doesn't stop to take in quite as much as he should. Earl's big head suddenly appeared over him, making the view considerably less attractive. Hey, buddy, what you thinking about down there? Oh, not much. Dale said. Just wondering at what point and what was a perfectly good day, everything went abruptly south. Oh, geez, Dale, you do tend to see things always in the negative. You did just body check me into the dumpster. Well, I do recall asking you to get out of the way. Dale sighed. I have received an undue amount of injuries for a Tuesday, and I do believe you are responsible for most of them. Earl thrust down a hand. Listen, you've been kicked in the nuts today by someone who could easily be the place kicker for the Chicago Bears. I don't want to hear any complaining. Dale took Earl's hand. Well, Fair enough. Dale let Earl pull him to his feet. He was immediately hit by a wave of roasting demon flesh. Crispy and popping as the dumpster was ablaze. Dale peeked in, letting the heat warm his face. He grinned as parasites cooked. When the one latched onto the dead possum gills vibrated with its silent scream. Well, at least we accomplished something today. They started strolling back, both walking a little funny. Dale definitely had to lean on one side, while Earl's strides were a little bow-legged. His attempt to reduce the friction between thigh and swollen manhood. "'So?' Earl said. "'What are we doing with Miss Williams?' "'Why don't you leave that to our Human Resources Director?' Dale said. "'Oh, and, um, who the hell's that?' "'That's me. Last company meeting I was at, I was voted in the position. It was unanimous. You weren't there. You, um, got a problem with that?' "'No,' Earl said.' I got your problem with our new human resources director being a bit grumpy. Well, his partner put a new dimple in his ass, which tends to make him so. Fine, Mr. Human Resources. What you thinking? Well, I'm thinking about the spot in the building where I was planning on making a gym. A gym? Earl said. You know, some free weights, a punching bag, maybe a treadmill for someone. Oh, hell, what good's a punching bag? Don't even hit back. Besides, Earl gestured to the L.A. skyline. There's a whole city full of assholes you can go hit if you need to. I shouldn't have to go pick a fight every time I need to work off a little aggression. Earl looked at his friend quickly. It's like you're speaking a foreign tongue or something. Where's my friend Dale? What have you done with him? Dale shook his head and sighed. "'You go entertain our guests. I gotta make a call. You phoning some assholes?' "'Well, excluding present company. Them's the only kind of folks I know.'" A while later, Dale hung up the phone, exhausted. It wasn't the day's events that were so tiring. It was the effort it took to find the right asshole in the Department of Assholes, under the Council of Assholes that were in charge of interdimensional parasites. He had thought that after all this time, and all he'd done, he'd at least earned enough respect to move forward a little faster in the goddamn emergency phone queue. When he finally connected with the right, and to the young man's credit, a very respectful asshole... Dale learned that the fine folks that take care of demon parasites and the like had already been to the pediatrician's office in Thousand Oaks, and the dimensional breach had been sanitized. They'd even followed up with previous patients, going back almost a decade to assess them for uninvited, life-sucking hitchhikers. But since Williams had been living out of her car for the past two years, they couldn't follow up with her or Cassie. Just another homeless family that had fallen through the cracks supernatural trans-dimensional cracks, but cracks just the same. Dale had set up his office in the only room on the first level and was located at the opposite end of the building, far away from the main offices on the second floor, a fact that had not gone without notice from his partner. Nestled back to the freight entrance and loading dock, it was probably used by the previous businesses, shipping and receiving clerks. It wasn't big, just large enough for a few chairs, a love seat that had definitely seen better days, and a desk, dark wood, with at least one drawer tall enough to hold a full size bottle of Old Forrester's signature 100 proof Kentucky bourbon. Not top shelf, but uh, then again, neither was Dale. Eyeing Dale as he hung up the phone, Earl gestured for Miss Williams and her daughter to come in. Earl plopped down in the love seat, which made sounds of distress and Miss Williams sat across the desk from Dale. Cassie climbed into her lap and as she did, she pointed at Earl. Mom, he's fat. Earl chuckled and sucked in his gut a bit. Cassie, that is not nice, William said. But he is, Cassie repeated, eyeing Earl. He really, really is. Please, Cassie, William said, looking embarrassed. Kids, She only says two words for two years, and now she will not stop talking. She looked back at Earl. I am so sorry. That's all right. Let her talk, Earl said, then slapped his belly. Besides, this ain't fat. It's not? Cassie said. No, sir, Earl said. It is emergency muscle. I'll keep it right here in case I need it, only to be used in cases of dire emergencies. Dale rolled his eyes really needed a beer Miss Williams turned to Dale May I just start by saying I am so sorry I hit you both she looked over at Earl and I'm very sorry I kicked you where I where I kicked you and I'm very sorry I called you gentlemen rednecks Dale smiled Well, this might surprise you, but that was not the first time either of us had been hit in anger. And if I think if Earl was planning on having kids, he'd have done so by now. That's for sure, Earl said. We're pretty much just decorative at this point. Still, I'm very, very sorry. Especially after what you've... I just wanted to apologize. No parent needs to apologize to us for protecting their kid. No way, no how. You do what you need to do. Good parents always do As for the name calling, Dale continued with a chuckle. Neither my partner or myself is in denial about the color of our necks. Just sticks and stones, Earl added. We don't hurt much less than you know hows to use them. Thank you. "'And thank you for what you did for Cassie,' Williams leaned forward. (laughs) But "'How do you even know about those things? "'How did you know what to do, where they came from, any of it?' "'Oh,' Earl said. "'You don't want to open that can of worms.' "'I don't,' Williams said, eyebrows raised. "'No, ma'am, you do not,' Earl continued." There were literally big, ugly worms involved. Biggins. Dale shot his friend a glance. That's enough, Earl. He turns his attention back to Miss Williams. You mind if we put a pin in that for a moment? My partner and I would like to make you an offer. You want to hire me? Williams said. After everything, you are by far the most competent person I've met today. Not just today, but... In a good long while. Smiling, Williams looked to be holding back tears. Thank you. I'd like you to start immediately, help us get this office set up and organized, Dale said. But there is one condition. Williams sat up a bit and looked like someone waiting for the other shoe to drop. Dale tried to think of words that were inviting, comforting, but not at all dictatorial or brash. But Dale wasn't wired for inviting, and he sure as hell wasn't wired for comfort, so he went with what he knew. You and Cassie will come and live here, starting tonight. This is non-negotiable. Williams looked stunned. Cassie smiled. Got lots of rooms, lots of furniture, or even some beds still in crates that we'll get together. There's a bathroom and showers, and my partner and I put together some kitchen-type stuff. A microwave, mini-stove, fridge, you know, that kind of thing. Williams shifted in her seat, probably not fully believing what she was hearing. Well, I don't know. Dale knew it was important for some men, women, and gender transfers alike to feel as if they were paying their way. Being prideful sure wasn't a sin, but it could keep someone especially a protective and self-reliant mother, from accepting help when offered. Dale suspected Terry Williams was such a person. This ain't a handout, and we're no charity. This is a business, and I will charge a little bit of rent, and I expect this to be temporary, just until you get back up on your feet. This place is clean, and I'd expect you two to help keep it that way. But most importantly, this place is safe. Williams nodded while holding her daughter. "What sourpuss means is?" Earl said. "Welcome to E&D Trucking." Dale glowered at Earl. "It is D&E Trucking. I told you not to argue with the marketing director." "Fine," Dale said. "Welcome aboard." Dale stood and held out his hand. Williams rose slowly smoothed out her skirt with both palms and firmly took Dale's hand. Please, call me Terry. Dale smiled. I'm Dale. He gestured to his friend. And your daughter's new coloring partner is Earl. Well, look at us. We went from a twosome, hot right over to a threesome, but now we're foursome. Terry looked at Earl. What? Earl? Dale barked. What a say? You'll have to be patient with him, Terry. His heart is ten times the size of his brain, and it do have its ups and downs. Terry smiled. What a say? Earl held up his hands. What I say? The end. Thank you for listening to Part 2 of The Applicant, written by Kevin David Anderson. For part one, I encourage you to check out last week's episode, The Art of the Diesel Part One, for the first half of this story. But feel free to skip the intro on that one, because it's pretty goddamn stupid. Happy Sam Hain. <laughs> You've been listening to Part 2 and the conclusion to The Applicant by author Kevin David Anderson. For Part 1 of the story, please visit last week's episode. That is Season 5, Episode 3, The Art of the Diesel. The Applicant was written by and presented courtesy of Kevin David Anderson. Anderson's debut novel, The Geeky Cult Zombie Romp*. Night of the Living Trekkies, is a funny, off-beat novel exploring the pop culture carnage that ensues when the undead crash a Star Trek convention. His latest book, Midnight Men, The Supernatural Adventures of Earl and Dale, was inspired by the short story Green Eyes and Chili Dogs, produced by yours truly, Jason Hill, and heard on my own YouTube channel and on the Simply Scary Podcasts Season 3, Episode 6. Anderson's stories have appeared in over a hundred publications and on fantastic podcasts such as The Cast, Pseudopod, The No Sleep Podcast, Horror Hill, and The Simply Scary Podcast. In addition, he's an active member of the Horror Writers Association and currently works in special education. For more information on him, visit kevindavidanderson.com. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit... SimplyScaryPodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free, ad-free, and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror hill. For yet another dance with darkness. I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener. And whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to Horror Hill, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, as well as a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill, unless otherwise noted. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors Sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda Under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshek The program's logo was created by Craig Groshek And this week's artwork provided by Omega Black Unless otherwise noted Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. If you can never get enough spooky stories, and can't wait until next week for more, and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com. In addition to helping us out, You'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening, and sweet dreams.